Shiona is extremely angry. In verse 4, the Lord began to counsel him, and he asked him, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah is continuing to travel on the, on the way to increasing forms of spiritual depth. Quite ironic because Jonah has just been used by God to preach a sermon that brought repentance to many people. And yet he himself is experiencing crippling anger and spiritual death. He goes out of the city uh, the same way in which he came, and he sits on the east side of the city, and he makes himself a shelter. Now, a shelter uh, is, a, is a reminder of the the way that the people were supposed to create shelters for themselves and to reenact the time in the wilderness. And it was a sign when they did that of the covenant faithfulness of God. So there's a lot of irony in, in Jonah making such a shelter for himself. He sits under this shelter and he makes, makes a hut for himself, sits under the shade till he might see what would become of the city. What is Jonah's expectation? Well, perhaps Jonah uh, is thinking that Nineveh has repented, but it's not going to last very long. And pretty soon, Sodom and Gomorrah is going to happen. So that's what I'm going to wait for. So he camps up outside of town, kind of like some of these people that have little shanties outside of town. They have you know, bike parts and, and you know, welding tools and all kinds of stuff. And, and they have a little garden there and they're, they're just camped outside of town. This is Jonah. He builds this shelter. He's not really thinking about the covenant faithfulness of God in the wilderness, the, the meaning of the festival of booths. He's not thinking of all of that. He's thinking about judgment, God's judgment. But he has a certain amount of shade for himself under the hot sun. It's inadequate, though. And so God shows his grace to Jonah. Again, he's already saved him from the sea. He's already saved him by means of the whale. He's already uh, delivered him to do what he was uh, initially supposed to do. Uh, he's given him examples of, of repentance. Uh, he's given him examples of spiritual growth on the part of the sailors. He's been gracious to him in many ways. Jonah recognized that his grace in chapter 2. He said, salvation is of the Lord. But this grace is not something that he's going to be particularly sensitive to. God is gracious to him anyway. The Lord God prepares a plant and makes it come up over Jonah so that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. God is being gracious to Jonah, even though Jonah is still angry with God. Does that remind you of anybody? After the fall of Adam, Mankind is in a state of rebellion against God. It's very easy to prick someone's conscience and to find that they're 
angry with God about something that's happened in their life. The Lord God is continuing to be gracious to him, though. He's being gracious to him through these physical means. This is basically going to be show and tell for Jonah. The Lord God prepares a plan. He makes it come up over him. It's shade, better shade than the shelter that Jonah made to deliver him from his misery. And it's not only the external discomfort of the sun. Jonah is miserable on the inside. Jonah has discomfort because he is filled with anger at what God is doing. But what we notice here is that when God is gracious to Jonah, Jonah becomes very happy for himself. Jonah was very grateful for the plan. Very grateful. Exceedingly grateful. Jonah is as grateful for the plant as he was displeased that Nineveh repented. That's how it literally reads. He was equally happy about this one little plant that gave him some shade. Some people scratch beneath the surface of the book of Jonah and they look at uh, the people of God under Jeroboam II in the 8th century. Jonah was a prophet along with Hosea and Amos and the people of God were very prosperous at that time, but they were spiritually very weak. And the call to repentance, the call that Jonah was giving to them was not being heard. It was falling on deaf ears. And the people of God were about to be overtaken. So Jonah exists at this time in which he has been preaching. He has been speaking to the people of Israel. And they have acted very much like Jonah is acting here. Extremely grateful about God's provisions for them but not really wrestling with the deep spiritual issues involved. So Jonah is extremely grateful, over the top grateful for this plant. But as the morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And so it damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. What's going on? Well, God is giving him a little taste of what it's like to have his grace and then to have it withdrawn. Jonah gets a little bit of a taste of what it's like to be under the judgment of God in a place where grace does not sustain him. He prepares this worm and it damages this plant. We don't know what kind of, kind of plant it was. It may have been a castor oil plant or some sort of a climbing gourd. Um, but it was a plant that withered because of this particular worm. When Israel refuses to turn in the 8th century, even though they're prosperous, when they refuse to acknowledge God and when they continue to turn a deaf ear to the prophets, they're going to be under the threat of their neighbors because God is going to bring about 
the means by which Israel is going to be uh, attacked by their by their enemies. So Jonah, uh, if you scratch beneath the surface of redemptive history, is is someone who is a picture of the experience of God's people as they're temporarily given God's God's grace, but they do not respond to it in the proper way. Anyway, uh, Jonah is now dealing with a lot of the sovereign acts of God. He's prepared a worm that damaged this plant. Now he sends a vehement east wind, an extremely powerful wind, like the Santa Ana winds in, in California that cause great fires uh, to spread throughout regions. This is a famous wind, a wind that is that is known by the people who live at this time. It's a terrifying storm. And the sun beats down on Jonah's head. You can die of sunstroke. Jonah is growing faint now. And Jonah's first response is to wish death for himself. Jonah's still not prepared to give up his anger to change spiritually. Jonah is continuing to wrestle with God because he has been kind to the Ninevites. It is better for me to die than to live. You see, God has done something that has really tripped something in Jonah. Jonah is radically committed to the people of Israel and not to their enemies. And if the people of Israel won't listen, I'm not going to send that message to the enemies. First of all, because I failed in in presenting it to Israel, but also secondly, because I know what kind of a God you are. And you're going to be gracious to them when our own people are not listening. Jonah's angry at God's ways. He's angry that God has done things in this way. Later on in the history of redemption, the gospel is going to start going to the Gentiles. And the apostles in the book of Acts are going to experience opposition from those who do not like this development. It's very similar to the way that Jonah views things here. It's better for me to die than to live, he says. And God, in his great uh, wisdom, scratches beneath the surface and detects the anger that has been boiling in Jonah's life. He's already said in verse 4, is it right for you to be angry now? He says, it is, right, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? See, Jonah's not angry now anymore because God was causing the Ninevites to repent. He's angry because God provided this plant for a short period of time and then took it away. You took away my plant. That's why I'm angry. Jonah would rather die than face God's mercy to Nineveh. And now in the face of extreme heat and wind, Jonah's response is to want to simply die. No perseverance, 
no willingness to serve the one who created him. No willingness to do the Father's will, no matter what. Very unlike the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ who went to the wilderness was starving for 40 days, was extremely hungry to the point where his body was cannibalizing itself and was one-on-one with the devil. Doing the Father's will was number one in the Lord Jesus' mind. And he used the words of Scripture at that time. Jonah thinks of none of these things. He's not deep down delighting in the ways of God. He's deep down angry with the ways of God. Angry enough to simply die. I don't want to live in a world where Ninevites are repenting and plants are being taken away from prophets that need a little shade. How long would Jonah have had to endure the shade? Had he persevered, had he remembered the presence of the Lord, the one who would shepherd him, the one who shepherded Israel for many years, the one who shepherded Israel through booths in the wilderness and enabled them to be reminded of his provision in the wilderness uh, through those booths. Now Jonah's forgotten all of these lessons, even though he's made a booth, he continues to be angry. Spiritual object lessons are not sinking in to Jonah. It is right for me to be angry even to death, he says. And the Lord in his wisdom is pointing out why Jonah is angry. He's angry because of the plant. Because he had a great deal of gladness about that plant being over his head. In fact, he had what the Lord calls pity for this plant. You had a sense of uh, concern for this plant. You were concerned that this plant was going to stick around. Even though you didn't work to make this plant stick around, you didn't cause this plant to grow. And it's furthermore, it's a temporary plant. You had pity on this plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. That's your concern. In other words, uh, the entire lifespan of this plant is described in one sentence. And it's meant to make us think. Jonah's talking about death. Jonah's talking about death, and the Lord is talking about the temporary nature of this plant. We are like grass. It grows up and is gone. We are in great need of the wisdom of God and the perspective that God gives to us, a perspective that is given to us uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ as he reminds us uh, that the Lord is the one who cares for the flowers. He cares for the flowers of the field, and so he will care for you. That's where Jonah needs to direct his attention 
You did not care for this plant, Jonah. I did. I brought it into uh, existence. I caused it to grow. It came up in a night and perished in a night. And your concern is that that plant is gone. And then he says, and should I not pity Nineveh? You see, my concern, Jonah, is this city. This city which you did not labor to bring into being, which I caused to come into being, a city where people have breath in their lungs and white blood cells working in their bodies because I caused that to happen. A city that is being uh, orchestrated by my care, just like I cared for that plant, just like I provided for the wind, just like I provided for that great fish, just like I provided for you. I'm providing for them. And should I not have concern for them? In that great city where I am demonstrating my common grace, my care, there are more than 120,000 persons. If you told someone in uh, the ancient Near East in, uh, of the Jewish people that there were 120,000 people in a city, they would be blown away. That's a mega city. That's an extremely large city from our standards. And these people do not have the gift of discernment. The problem is not just that they're, that they're ignorant, they don't know their right hand from their left. The, the meaning of that, of that phrase is that they don't know the way out of their evil. They don't know the way out. They are living in a world where death is going to come, where the judgment of God is going to come, and they don't know the way out. And furthermore, since you're being concerned about uh, this plant and living things that I care for, think about the cattle. If you're not concerned about the people, at least be concerned for the cattle, Jonah. And so the story ends with that question, but it's a searching question. Because at the time of Jesus Christ, the people of God are not prepared to receive their Messiah. He comes to them uh, as one who uh, shows the very compassion, the care of God. He demonstrates it in his earthly ministry, and they're not prepared to receive him. He delights in the Father's will. He is uh, one who demonstrates uh, his concern for the people of God, even wayward Jerusalem. He laments over Jerusalem while the Pharisees reject the prophets and reject Jesus Christ himself. They refuse to repent, but Jesus Christ has come to serve, not to be served. Jonah is full of anger, uh, anger enough to make him want to die, and Jesus Christ is filled with love, love enough to enable him to die for sinners. He dies for sinners in a world full of people who reject him, reject the compassion of God demonstrated in Jesus Christ, reject uh, the one who is come to show them that there is a pathway uh, to eternal life. 
these same uh, leaders uh, are the ones uh, who will be conspiring against the Lord Jesus Christ when he goes to the cross and he will be crucified on that cross. They will continue their ways in the book of Acts as the Lord Jesus Christ builds the church from heaven and they will continue to persecute the apostles. They will continue to attack. He converts Paul and Paul begins to serve him. But that attitude, that concern for only the people of the Jews will characterize the opponents of Jesus Christ and the opponents of the apostles throughout the beginnings of the building of the church. And so Jonah is extremely relevant in that context. Jonah is extremely relevant to people who are focusing their attention uh, only on how God's grace benefits the Jewish people and not the wideness of God's grace and mercy in the first place. He has provided graciously this plant for Jonah. It's an object lesson, but he's provided for him to have shade on his head. He provided for him to have that plant taken away so that he might have a taste of what it's like to have that gracious gift removed. Jonah experiences a little foretaste of what it's like to suffer under the weight of the heat of God's wind and the sun beating on his head. But the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross willingly with a delight in the Father's will to show the love of God and the compassion of God. And when he was on that cross, he experienced eternity in hell. Mm in the space of three hours. He experienced what Jonah could not endure being a man. But the God-man experienced it instead. In order to open the door that the gospel might go to the Gentiles, in order that that spread of the compassion of God might be displayed in redemptive history, that which Jonah resisted Jesus Christ made possible. And he came to Jerusalem and lamented over it. Even as Jonah lamented that and then ever repented in the first place, Jesus lamented that Jerusalem was not repenting. The full demonstration of the compassion of God in the Lord Jesus Christ and the spread of the gospel to the Gentiles would wait for another day, but we have a foretaste of it here. Nineveh would again return to their evil ways and they would be addressed in the book of Nahum. This is for a short period of time. But it is God's compassion demonstrated to 120,000 people. And Jonah's displeasure with it shows that he is out of step with the progress of God's redemptive economy as he demonstrates his compassion here in very clear ways. Israel at the very same time is rejecting their prophets, including Jonah. 
But Nineveh receives the grace of repentance. Well, today, as you and I uh, live in this time, we, we need to remember that there is one thing that stands before us that is pictured in the book of Jonah in brief terms, but it has much greater consequences. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Perishing is opposed to everlasting life. And God has provided through the Lord Jesus Christ the means to know his love, to know how to be delivered from perishing and to have life that continues forever. You can trust the Lord Jesus Christ. He's delighted in the will of God from the very beginning. He demonstrates the compassion of God in his earthly ministry. He experiences the wrath of God for the sake of sinners. He causes the gospel to be spread past rebellious Jerusalem to the nations. And the Lord Jesus Christ is continuing to build his church from heaven. And John 3.16, a demonstration of God's love is the way that you see men and women and boys and girls turning back to God before they perish. The contrast between Jonah and Jesus could not be more clear. But you and I uh, need to remember that the outcome of Jonah's anger with God and his ways was a desire for death. Spiritual death desiring to recreate itself in physical death. So how will we respond to this question? Should not the living God who provides a plant for temporary shade for Jonah and then takes it away to show him what it's like to be without it. Should he not have compassion on people made in his image who can't find their way out of evil, even if it's only for a season, until the day when he brings in thousands more? Since the time of Nineveh's repentance, the living God through his Holy Spirit has brought thousands more to himself through Jesus Christ. Amen. And everyone that he has saved is delivered from spiritual death, delivered from rebellious anger that leads to death, delivered from a lack of understanding of God's compassion because they understand that through Jesus Christ, God's love is demonstrated. 
the compassion of God lives in the presence of the risen Christ declared as a source of salvation. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way in which you have demonstrated your compassion in the Lord Jesus Christ. We see it in contrast to Jonah and his spiritual death, the anger that consumes him, the self-centered pity only for himself that today even characterizes those who would reject the Messiah. We ask, Father, that you would help us to remember that there but for your grace we go. And we need the Lord Jesus Christ to show us your compassion, to show us one who delighted in your will, to show us one who uh, interposed himself in between uh, the consequences of our, of our sin and our life today. The one who delivered us from perishing and gave us everlasting life. The Lord Jesus Christ, And we ask that you would make our joy in the Lord Jesus Christ, our joy in those who repent and turn to him, as great as the compassion that is shown to us through those means. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.